This is the Bourbon Bookshelf Podcast, where we cover books, beverages, and the general BS of the day. A few disclaimers, we are not literary experts, or experts in anything for that matter, and explicit content should be expected. I am your host, Barry Price. I hope you enjoy the show. Evening, fellas. Evening. Evening. Feels like it's been a while. I don't even remember when the last time it was. Yeah, you've been to hell and back since we last recorded. Yeah. Or Port Aransas. Yeah, it felt like hell a couple of times. (laughs) What are you drinking, John? I am drinking Tito's in a hint water. I was pressed for time. You got to do what you got to do, Jared, bro. Just got some makers on the rocks and some water. Nice and some bitters. Getting fucked up. Yeah, we're getting fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) John, is your wife back in town yet? She is not. Yeah, all right. I've been a bachelor for almost a week. (laughs) That answers that. (laughs) I'm drinking some thousand stories. That's wine. Red right? wine. Yep. Bourbon barrel aged. Realized in the last couple of episodes, I've fallen into my old ways of, of forgetting to mention what I'm drinking. So, probably our fault, too. We should yeah. reciprocate. Yeah, we should follow up. It's usually how a conversation goes, but it's all right. Uh, not much to follow up on from the last episode. Thanks to Ray McPadden coming on. His uh, book, We March at Midnight, will release on August 3rd, which is tomorrow uh, from right this minute. And it's last Tuesday from when the recording will publish. So go pick you up a copy. Highly recommend it. Uh, Something else. Do what, Jerry? Just said it's good. It's a good one. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Me too. Uh, then something else just to touch on, you guys may notice we're not running uh, an ad anymore because uh, numerous reasons, primary one being they're annoying. Uh, and so just want to say, you guys, we can only grow uh, as you guys help us to grow. Uh, and our growth may not mean much to y'all, but it means a lot to us. So <laughs> tell, tell your friends who uh, like books or adventures or, or other bullshit and because you know they'll love us hey and, and like it or love it yeah subscribe it like it review it uh you can find us on instagram too strava it's probably where we're most involved we have a spotify playlist out there too so we need to work on that yeah i, I throw a song on there every now and then yeah. one that really speaks to me but but uh, and we're working on other ways to get engaged, so just stay tuned for that. We appreciate y'all, nonetheless. That wasn't a lecture. I was asking, but we did help. give you some action items you need to follow up. Yeah, on. <laughs> I'll post it in the show notes, a task list. So, uh, Jared, did you decide what book you were going to cover this evening? I did. Good. And yeah. I'm gonna. <laughs> Go or Sal Belly by Monty Burke. The obsessive quest for the world record largemouth bass. All right. That'll, I like the sound of that. John D. I've got The River by Peter Heller. Good. I've got The Sun by Philip Meyer. Finally. Finally. I'll tell you what, that's a dense book. <laughs> Are you sure you read the book or did you watch the show? I've done both, and I'll get into it. John, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I had The River by Peter Heller, and if you'll remember, we have covered the Dog Stars earlier on this podcast. Barry read that one. I also read it, too, and quite enjoyed it. But this one was released in 2019, and it's the story of two college-age young men who set out on a paddle trip in Canada 
in the late summer going into what would actually I'd probably consider it fall up in Canada. And uh, long story short, they run into some people that you may not want to run into out in the wilderness. And they're also running from Canadians. Canadians, yes. <laughs> Wild Canadians. It's actually Texans. Oh, right. <laughs> in Canada. Yeah. Um, and they discover that there's a, a forest fire uh, chasing them throughout the their whole trip, throughout the whole book and their trip. And uh, I'll leave it at that as far as the plot goes, but it uh, chronicles them and their flight from this fire and the mischievous characters they come across. The whole book was very suspenseful too. The whole time I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, couldn't put it down. Read late into the night last night to finish it up. I read it in two days. It's pretty short. Yeah, I was going to say, you texted me and said, I've got The River by Peter Heller. And then you texted me today saying you're going to have it for the show. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's just Saturday that <laughs> said he had it. I, I bought it uh, probably a month ago. I got a, on a little spree and I, I've had it sitting there and I picked it up and saw it was only two two 218 pages. And oh, nice. You had texted me the other day about a book you had just picked up by him. It was um, The Painter. Of course, I've moved off of it. Yep, The Painter. And uh, inspired me to pick it up because I'm interested in water sports too. So I figured it'd be interesting. I'd give it two thumbs up or whatever rating system we want to go on. <laughs> Any one-star reviews out there? Oh, yeah. We definitely got some one-star reviews. Hang on. What? How long did this trip take them? Or is that going to give too much away? No. Um, I can't remember how long it said it was supposed to take them. They were... Oh, supposed the... to. <laughs> drug on <laughs> uh yeah the, the, they ran into some trouble <laughs> the texans remember jerry oh yeah. sorry i forgot uh anyway um they uh the trip is through a series of lakes in flat water and then it hits a river that runs into the hudson bay all of this is on the first page of the book so i don't feel like i'm giving anything away um the river section they said was 250 miles, so they were covering maybe 20 miles a day. So that's 10 days. I think they were supposed to be out there for about a month. Yeah, dang, that's a long time to be on the river. Yeah, holy crap, uh, they were in a 19 foot canoe, all aluminum. No, it was Kevlar actually. Kevlar. That's a heavy boat to row for 200 and. 50 miles? Jeez. Yeah, they're young and strong, though, college kids. Oh, my God. This is a fictional book, right? Yeah. Okay. Jared's asking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting me confused. Um, he, uh, I'll uh, be honest. I thought this was a nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs> let's be clear. This is a fiction book. All right. How was it? What was the writing style like? Was it written like the Dog Stars, or was it a little more traditional? It was a little was. more traditional. I still wouldn't say it was like full on, like what you would typically expect from an author. A little more like freestyle there. Yeah. And he, he's got a. The two main characters have a good contrast to one of them's kind of a hard-nosed, got the killer instinct, uh, and the other one's more soft and uh, wants to see the best in everybody. Those those two best friends kind of uh, personalities conflicting with each other throughout the whole book. And um, you can actually see that he's got a new book coming out this month too that uh it's not a sequel as we found out but it is a recurring character um so check that it's called the guide 
going to be kind of like uh, McCarthy's border trilogy. Oh, yeah. That's a good uh, analogy there. Or parallel. I don't know what the fuck it's called. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear some one stars. All right. Um, survival does not entail doing stupid things. Had to give up on this book when survivors went against all rational actions to look for a supposed missing, missing person. As a trained survivalist, U.S. Army Special Forces, I wanted to enjoy this story. I, I feel like as a trained survivalist, yeah, you might not go back for this supposed missing person, <laughs> but uh, two, two boys out there probably would. Well, and he might have not realized it was a fiction book as well. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> I feel like a lot of people do stupid shit when they're in survival mode, and that's how they end up dead. Absolutely. I actually have a whole book called Deep Survival that is exactly about the way people react during survival situations. Maybe I'll bring it on one day. Uh, and that's really all I had. Check it out. Uh, he's got a few other books too. We've already mentioned the Dog Stars and his new one, and the Painter. Yeah, he's got a couple of nonfiction here too. One about surfing, and another one about uh, surviving Tibet's Songpo River, called Hell or High Water. Oh yeah, yeah. The surfing one. He surfed from like uh, Sacramento to Mexico, I think. Or something like that. Yeah, what? I think just getting across the border is an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, if you do it on the water, yeah. Uh, just speaking of McCarthy real quick, I saw it was fake. Somebody had created a parody McCarthy Twitter account, and uh, he tweeted something, and Stephen King replied to it, and uh, – the the McCarthy got the fake McCarthy replies back and goes, "What exactly are you the king of?" <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I'll send it to y'all. I thought about putting it on the page until I saw it was a parody. It's it's funny though. Still, Stephen King know it was a parody. I don't know. Surely, <laughs> he's he may be a great writer, but he's still old, right? <laughs> Speaking of real quick, uh, Stephen King's got a new book coming out. Uh, tomorrow or last Tuesday when you hear this or the third if you're listening to it two weeks later it's called uh, Jimmy Summers Billy Summers I went into Billy Barnes Summers? & Noble tonight and I saw it in the window and I'm like hell yeah I'm going to get that and nowhere in the store that I asked and they said it's coming out tomorrow they won't have it out tomorrow either if it's anything yeah. like my Barnes and Noble. Jared, let's hear about yours. Thanks, John. Good job. I'll have the painter in the next episode. Yep. Uh Jared's reading his book real quick. Yeah, I gotta I gotta brush up on it real fast. Uh Sal Belly, the obsessive quest for the world record largemouth bass by Monty Burton. Uh, my buddy recommended this book a while back ago and while I was out in Oregon, he has a buddy named Dylan Gorman. He has a guide service, so if you're ever in Oregon looking for a good fishing guide, contact him. But anyway, he uh, th this book, you don't have to be a, a largemouth bass fisherman to uh, – to want to read this book i know i'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not big on largemouth but i'm big on fishing if you're just a fan of fishing you're probably going to enjoy this book but it starts off giving the history of the world record largemouth bass and why it has become such a quest to uh to break that record it takes uh basically the, the story starts out as a kid named george washington perry in georgia and uh, in 1932 sets out to go fishing because it was his farm was too wet to plow so of course he gets on his little boat and goes out to some oxbow lake and uh, he's throwing some lures around catches this humongous largemouth bass 
um, knew it could be record breaking. So he took it, he didn't have a scale. So he took it to the post office, weighed it on the post office scale. Cause it had to be an official scale <laughs> and they, they got measurements of it. And it is, and it was 22 pounds, four ounces at the time. This was Damn. a 32. So people have been, as the title says, has have been obsessing over the chance to catch this world record largemouth bass. Because as y'all, I'm sure y'all know that the, the largemouth is probably the number one sought after sport fish in the world. Um, people spend hundreds of thousand dollars. You can see $80,000 bass boats all day long and they're just going after oh, yeah. you know largemouth bass but so people spend you know spend a lot of money and time on, on catching these fish but they, they, he goes from he every chapter is a different is is going follows a different person so first he starts out uh, in California with the guy who spent his entire life several divorces because he's been chasing <laughs> largemouth bass um and if y'all don't know, the California holds a lot of the top 10 record largemouth just because of their stocking programs. They stock a lot of rainbow trout in their lakes, and uh, largemouth love those fish. But uh, and it follows, you know, some guy, uh, I don't know what chapter it is. I can't remember what chapter it is, but he basically spent his life savings to build a pond to produce that has all female largemouth because the females get bigger and has been feeding these fish like just a ton of food making sure conditions are right in this pond and uh just just to to say he grew the world record largemouth best i don't know if it ever worked but by the end of the chapter he says he he he'll probably go broke because of this <laughs> because of this project would and, it even uh, count being you know farm raised like that uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it would. I don't know if it would or not. But like a high fence buck. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. But he he gave it hell. Um, and you know, states like Texas, the share lunker program, only only spawning, you know, thirteen pound plus uh female largemouth and stocking those those uh progeny and other uh, bodies of water. Um but it, really interesting book. I, I, I really, I really loved it. Um, if, like I said, if, if you like fishing, especially if you like largemouth bass fishing, I would definitely recommend picking it up. And the record has been broken. It was captured and caught in Japan. Yeah, doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the weight, but it, uh, it was just a few ounces. And the funny thing is, uh, people have Georgia's state record other than this doesn't even come close to 22 pounds uh, so there's a lot of a, a lot of people were saying did you really catch a largemouth or was it a striped bass or was it a hybrid and it's it's been there were no photos taken of the fish right, yeah. no proof it, of any of yeah. it he took it home to feed his family, <laughs> like brothers and sisters, moms and paws back home. He had to feed them. Uh, but it was a, a pretty, pretty, pretty crazy story. Um, very entertaining. Sounds like it. So they like to eat trout. Yeah. I love trout. There's people like that will fish with like a 10 to 12 inch soft plastic artificial trout lure that you might get a bite on every 1000 cast <laughs> yeah just to just to chase you know a humongous large mouth that's probably about my record of getting a bite fishing with any bait mine's still on a big ass bait out there yeah. it's just a size worm dude yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's 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 a good it's a good one. Uh, there are no one star reviews on Amazon or or Goodreads. Um, there's a few two stars. I've caught bigger bass. <laughs> yeah, there's a few three stars here, but it, it's it's pretty pretty highly rated. 
Well, it seems like an interesting book. That's yeah. one of those kind of just obscure yeah. things that you get into it, and it turns out to be really good once you read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it's pretty damn funny, too, <laughs> some parts. But just the stuff people dedicate their whole life to getting it. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, like, not eat, families won't even talk to you anymore because right. every every Stinky hour inheritance on order. it. <laughs> but that's funny. Anyway, that's it. All right. You know, we've talked about two water-based books, and we haven't mentioned our favorite word, uh, Giardia, and yeah. that's unfortunate. My book did have them drinking untreated water at one point. That's high yeah. risk. High risk. My book covers a lot of the drinking of untreated waters, but no mention of Giardia. Wouldn't recommend it. Stay vigilant out there. <laughs> John's John's Instagram page says something like Giardia awareness activist or something. It does. <laughs> I'm very passionate about this. Hey, if you save one person, yep, be worth it. Well, I uh, I had the Sun by Philip Meyer. I've owned this book for about four years, probably. Uh, and the first time I got it, I only read about a hundred pages, maybe a hundred and fifty, and just couldn't keep going with it. And then a couple years later, I watched the TV show and it kind of helped to make sense of things for me a little bit. And so I decided I'd pick it back up eventually and finally did and kind of plowed through it this time. I really enjoyed it. You think Uh, the TV show helped? Yeah. And uh, the reason why I think that is because the book, the book covers basically three main characters uh through which are in three different generations of a family tree Mm -hmm. and the one of the characters it covers basically his entire lifespan whereas the other two it's just kind of moments in time and so the first time i read it i had a really hard time figuring out who everybody was and that's where the tv show helped me is to get get kind of a piece of just get you know just get an image in my head i guess i found that does help i I did that with the gunslinger and the dark tower movie and i don't think the dark tower movie was anything like or covered anything that happened in the gunslinger but it still just kind of helped me make sense of the whole world they're in Mm -hmm. but uh Book book was really good. The the colonel, the main character, was uh, kidnapped by the Comanches as a teenager and is raised by them, and then eventually goes on to be a prominent Texas cattleman and then an oil man, and uh, but kind of carries that Comanche raising that he had with him uh, all through all through his life, and then the other two characters are his. Uh, one of his sons and then that son's uh, daughter, I believe. And so it kind of just chronicles their opinions of him, the way they viewed the family. Uh, The family, you know, goes on to be extremely wealthy and uh, ultimately ending with the, with the granddaughter and so it's just kind of cool to me watch how just to watch how it all came about, and I really enjoyed it because, you know, I live in in cattle and oil country, and you know, kind of like that generational family story. They're not great people though, so I'll say that <laughs> <laughs> from the white man standpoint, from a Comanche standpoint, they're probably pretty admirable. But um, you know what? Uh, Comanche means everybody's enemy. You know what that makes me? <laughs> Not a, a Comanche. Comanche. No. <laughs> That's from the movie Hell or High Water. But definitely recommend it. If anything that I just mentioned uh, interests you, if you uh, don't have any interest in uh, Comanche Indians or 
cattle oil business. Uh, I probably wouldn't recommend it. I love it had sprinkles of history in it too. Uh, talks about like Charles Goodnight and uh, if you've ever read a book called The Big Rich, which is uh, the rise and fall of some Texas oil uh, fortunes. You'll hear, you'll see a lot of common names between that book and this one as well. Um, and then it had some good Comanche history in it too. So uh, pick it up. It's 560 something pages, pretty dense book. It doesn't look like it's that long, but the pages are razor thin and uh, like a Bible. Yeah. But check it out. Uh, one star reviews book was filthy garbage. The jump between timelines was horrible. Bought the book because I loved the TV series was seriously disappointed with the book though. Couldn't even donate it. Had to throw it in the trash. That's harsh. <laughs> Did he go to Goodwill and they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we can't have that smut in here. <laughs> or was it too bad for him to donate? He's like, nope, I'm not donating this. Yeah. I'm not going to let anyone. Yeah, probably that one. Uh, disappointing, to say the least. Unlikable characters with little moral grounding. Uh, chron the timeline was challenging with unexplained time gaps and thoroughly depressing family dynamic. No wonder no one liked the McCullough clan. So I think I've made you aware of all those. So I, I was able to work around it though. I don't know. I started really liking the Colonel when, uh, when he started banging the judge's wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little playboy. <laughs> No, I like the Colonel in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Something I liked about the Colonel was they, they talked about how he loved to stay up late drinking whiskey. <laughs> and But then in the next sentence it said, but he never slept past sunrise the next morning. Either. <laughs> oh, that's pretty admirable. He was a fan of the mint julep. I've always but, wanted to try one of those. I'm, I got, I meant to try one. I can't remember. I don't know what I was doing. It may have been while I was down in uh, San Antonio. I'm like, I'm going to drink a julep because I was reading this book while I was down there. But I didn't. I just drank Modelo's <laughs> the whole time. How many did you have? Uh, depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> If you ask me, not that many. If you ask my wife, a few more. If you ask the Hyatt Hill Country Resort. Double. Yeah. <laughs> so, several dozen, probably. But anyways, that's that. Check it out. TV show is super good. Uh, really good adaptation and, and definitely would probably be easier to follow uh, than the book. Is that on Hulu? Um, yes, it's an AMC show. I do think okay. it's on Hulu. You know, when I picked that book up and I saw that they had the family tree in the, like, uh, just behind the cover. Yeah. I knew it was going to be uh, hard to follow. Yeah, I dog-eared it. And even the family tree itself is hard to follow. <laughs> even now that I've finished the book, I'm still looking at it like it's just a bunch of straight lines. I like when books have um, a glossary of characters. I do there's too. a lot of people in them. Because mm -hmm. even the book I just read, I had a hard time early on differentiating the two main characters. Because it wasn't like, because the use of the pronouns is just, he did this, he did that. I'm like, who are you talking about? Yeah, which he, yep. Yeah. John, you want to tell us about going hiking? Yeah. Well, this past week, my wife's been out of town. So been having to cook for myself, take the trash out, throw out vegetables that are molding <laughs> because they're not getting eaten. Uh, I was I was looking for a way to go up to Boone, North Carolina, to work on Friday, and then be closer to the mountains. So I could go hiking. 
Uh, I could never, I couldn't work it out, but Friday I decided to book a hotel in like uh, Lenore, North Carolina. If you ever have the chance, don't go. Um, <laughs> but it was three hours there, and then it was an only like 50 minutes to where I was going to hike at uh, Grandfather State Park, Grandfather Mountain State Park. There's a peak there called Callaway Peak that's just under 6,000 feet. I think it's 59.50. And um, so there's a trail called the Profile Trail, and I figured out why on my way up it. Um, it's got a oh. view on the side of the mountain of a profile, and it looks like just like a man's face. Uh, prominent forehead, nose, mouth. I'll post a picture of it on the gram so you guys can see. But uh, <clears throat> the trail was a... Uh, the first two miles were downhill for the most part, which is great when you first start out. Nice, gentle slope. I'm like, oh, man, this thing's only eight miles long. We already covered half of it. That just means it's going to be going up a little bit more than. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why are we going down? Why are we going down? Let's yeah. stop going down. And so I think the whole hike was 2,500 feet, even though it was only a 2,000 feet net gain from the trailhead to the peak. But after two miles, that thing went straight up. Just big boulders, taking huge steps each way. And I only had told myself I had to go hike for two and a half hours. So I didn't have to go to the peak, but I kept pushing myself and Barry kept pushing me and I kept going to the next next milestone, the next trailblaze, the next um, uh, overlook. The next campsite. Next map check. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, let me talk about that. <laughs> First, the map's wrong. Mileage is way the fuck off. So I didn't know how Does far. Is there Apple Watch or what? Yeah, which is very accurate. <laughs> um, and this is um, – <clears throat> backed up by reviews on all trails mm -hmm. and uh so i'm it says that it's 3.6 miles long one way and i'm at 3.6 and i still have a thousand feet to cover and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like something ain't adding up here yeah but i also don't have a good map of it i do now i'd have a, a professional map but the state park map was paper and someone here sweats a lot. <laughs> Should have laminated it. In the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I'm i going to Colorado with my dad this weekend. And we're going to, we're going to, um, it, the area is within San Isabel National Forest. And I cannot find a map anywhere. There's one on Amazon that was forty dollars, and uh, I Nat don't even Geo? think it covers the area where I was going. Have you looked at Nat Geo? Yeah, there ain't nothing for Nat Geo. Really? The Nat Geo map cuts off about two miles north of where I'm gonna be. So at least he got that covered. Yeah, if I ever if I wander off that way. So all trails was pretty helpful though. Yeah, they. That's how I found this place. I didn't realize it was a state park until I was making sure I had everything together the night before. And they're like, yeah, it's in grandfather state park. Like, oh, okay. Do they open at eight? Like the state park I go to three, four times a week, but they do not, they open at eight, but they let you in there. They don't close the gate. Nice. So I got up there about seven. That's how big spring state park is. But uh, I eventually did make it to the top of the mountain. There's ladders to get up on this uh, big old rock. And you oh, can cool. see down into Boone. I think it was Boone. And got a pretty good view on one side. If they, the other side, you'd have a 360 view if they didn't have trees blocking your view. Um, that's what sucks about being on the summit up here is you're below the tree line. So the trees are up higher than you. Yeah, <laughs> still can't really see. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Uh, coming down, though, was hell. Uh, that was part of my going back and forth of whether or not I should finish. It was uh, – I knew I had to come back. 
and those steps are long. <laughs> and uh, eventually made it back down to a flat two miles, and that's when I realized how much downhill I was. I went. Right. Yeah. When it's time to come back up. <laughs> yeah. I uh, always think coming down is harder, uh, especially if it's a steep grade. Well, they always say on Everest, coming down is the most dangerous. And I, I believe it too, because I'm kind of flying. I mean, just even on this little 6,000 foot peak, I'm flying down it. Right. And, and your feet are like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm twisting my ankle yeah. and uh, hyper, hyper extending your knee. Yep. Did that too. It was weird being out there so early too. I was probably the first one on the trail that morning, and I was hyper aware of bears, as you guys know. I'm a hyper aware of large animals, but it was there were some places that were pretty tight. Uh, I was like, oh shit, I don't want to be in here uh, at this bottleneck. What the hell was that? <laughs> bear yeah <laughs> but as i was coming a couple of people a couple of runners passed me on the way up and uh, I, I guess the guy was practicing backpacking because he went up and came right back down with a backpack on but as i was coming down a guy um told me stopped me and said hey just so you know up ahead there's a guy on the ground he's waiting for medics he's got people with him and i asked if they needed anything and he had had heart problems or something and so I was coming down to about a tenth of a mile after I passed him. I ran into two, a ranger and a, a medic. And I'm a big boy, and these guys were probably three, four inches taller than me and a, a good bit heavier. And they were huffing and puffing their way up. But three, four inches bigger around. Well, yeah. I bring it up all the time on here. They need to they need to clarify what moderate means. This was definitely listed as strenuous. Oh. Well, then they should have known. Yeah. Uh, there was probably ran into three more teams coming up to take him out. I didn't get a good look at the guy. I didn't want to loiter. Shit, they need that many to get him out or what? Yeah. Uh, the first team was just like the Ranger and a EMT. Uh, another team was like climbers. I don't know. And then the, the third team had a litter with them. And then... I swear there was an. I came across another one. They sent the cavalry out for him. I didn't know how many it was going to take, yeah. right? but I knew how many they were going to use. <laughs> hey, there you go. You saved me from having to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Glad you got out. Yeah, I'll probably be heading back there. It's a pretty easy access, and there's a couple more ways to get up there, too. Yeah, well, the fact you can get out at any time is important to me. Mm -hmm. It's a big pet peeve I have with state parks. It's like, don't be out here in the heat, but we don't open till nine. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> We've got one here that I, I may have mentioned this before, but it's 15 minutes from my house. And the sun's coming up at six right now, and they don't open till eight. And that I have looked for another way in. So I can get out there before eight o'clock and there's, they lock the gates and do not let you park outside of them. Well, can you camp there? Yeah. If you're already on site then. Yeah. But I live 15 minutes from it. So it's probably going to be hot as hell too. Yeah. It's covered though. So it's, but it's in the middle of Raleigh. Yeah. Right in the middle of town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jared. What's up? What you been doing? running what about that what about them several days you spent in tejas oh yeah i forgot about that <laughs> no I, I, it's uh, just three days ago damn it feels like <laughs> a long time ago man <laughs> no uh uh we uh you know my sister and i i don't know how we started this tradition of the old floating concert and uh so this year we actually had a concert so uh william clark green shane smith and the saints and uh a few other openers i can't remember their name but uh but man it was a great time took meg down there first time in the in the hill country oh. uh, as soon as as soon as we as soon as we landed we went for a run and 
downtown Austin and you along the around Lady Bird Lake, Town Lake, Lake Austin, whatever you want to call it, and uh, um, went and got some original chewies. Yes, sir. Went for a, a swim in the Barton Springs. Hey, did the original Chewies have a limited menu? I don't know. Was it just one pager? Yeah, it was one page. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and then we stopped in San Marcos. Went for a float. Went for a swim in the San Marcos River, which was real nice to get back. I haven't been. I haven't been back in the San Marcos since I lived there. About six years ago so that was cool i forgot you lived down there yeah snorkeled that river damn near every day but <laughs> but anyway it was a good time we i think we swam every day went for uh went out to Pedernales falls state park which was really kick-ass i mean the pictures don't even do it justice like how big the falls are and uh there i've seen pictures of that of the falls at flood stage there's not a place I'd want to be in, man. <laughs> like the falls are huge, and like to see it absolutely covered in water from a flood stage photo, like that, that's scary. But the floating was good. Went went down the Comal like we usually do, and and had some barbecue, and it was it was a good time, man. Nice. Got our miles in. Good. Got to. Yeah. The uh, <clears throat> last time I floated the San Marcos River, you might have been there, Jared. I don't know. Could have. We were you lost your Ray Bans, didn't you? Uh, no, oh, that was wow. the that was in the Comal, and Jared was there for that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last time I floated the San Marcos River, I was still in Ranger. You might have been gone, Jared, but uh, we were. We did the real long float. It may not even have been the San Marcos River. This was like an eight-hour float we were doing. It's like an all-day thing. We had to take a bus and all this. Well, about 10 minutes into it, I ran into some people that I knew from high school. And it just went straight downhill. We were stopping at these shotgun islands, shotgun and beers, slapping the bag. And I woke up in Ranger the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like that yeah which is four <laughs> hours away had a huge gash in my foot wearing a pillowcase as a t-shirt <laughs> how was the show it, dude it was awesome it was awesome who was you better know? shane smith or will clark green i really like shane smith yeah i think he'd be awesome live yeah, and it, dude, it was just nice to be back at a live show, and it was packed, you know, and everyone was dancing and carrying on, and it was it was it was kick ass. Loud music, you could feel the bass in your chest. I miss that. It was cool. John, how was the Dave Matthews concert? Dave Matthews. No, it was fun. <laughs> It, it wasn't the same as when you're 18 and you're real into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like Dave is in his prime anymore either. So. Yeah. I mean, this was his first show back. Oh, really? Yeah. But we were on the right on the edge, which was great for people watching, especially after dark because there was lights and you could see their faces. <laughs> but we weren't in the middle of all the energy of the crowd. Um, but it was it was a good time. Uh, it was good to be out there with 20,000 people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people watching, like I mentioned, was excellent. As you would expect <laughs> it to be at such a thing. Yeah. There was there this one guy. He was probably mid-50s. But he was kind of short. But he had his sunglasses on as it was getting dark. And he had two waters in one hand and two beers in the other. And he, he came out and he had that leaning back walk that drunk people have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And he's just looking out in a sea of people. We're just like, he's never making it back to his his group. <laughs> yeah. To that point, it's too late. Yeah. I always wonder that at a at festivals like that. You know, you see like the Austin City Limits where there's fifty thousand people at it. It's like how if you're up front, you are up front, and if you leave, you ain't coming back. Yeah. 
It's going to take you three shows to get back up front. Yeah. Just that LJT is a miracle we even found each other. Oh, yeah. Well, the time. there are many a miracle happening at LJT that are <laughs> unexplainable. <laughs> I'd like to go back. I bet if I went back right now, it'd be the worst time of my life. I'd probably would yeah. hate it every second of it. Wow. It's funny what 10 years will do to you. Yeah. I uh, I wanted to say something about Dave Matthews. Oh, did you know that Dave Matthews at one point in time was the largest private landowner in West Virginia? I did not. It may I still be it. true, but <laughs> just he was interesting fact. He said he was living out in um, – Seattle last beginning of last year. Yeah, I know he's always kind of hung out out that way. I don't know if I'd live anywhere if I had his as much money as him. I'd probably live on my largest piece of privately owned land in West Virginia. With the house in the dead center of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two hour drive to the highway. But you guys got anything else? Any closing thoughts? Oh, I want to talk about my trip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we uh we went to Port Aransas, which was really nice for a couple of days. We were down there about four days and uh ran on the beach and drank beer by the pool. I was drinking the whole time. I'd finish my runs at like eight and would start drinking vodka, orange juices. And then it'd be like, then it'd be like 8 PM. I'd be like, I hadn't had any water all day. (laughs) Ran five miles this morning on the beach, (laughs) but it was fun. got to hang out. It's always nice going down there. We didn't fish or anything, but it's actually kind of nice because it rained a little bit, like almost mountain shower type stuff, which I've never really seen before. It rained real hard for like 30 minutes and then it'd be gone. And uh, it's like it never rained. And then we stayed at, stayed at the Hyatt Hill Country Resort for a few days too, coming back, saw a coral snake, floated the lazy river there, played some golf. Megan and I saw a dead coral snake on one of our runs. Really? It was first. It was a first. But damn. This was a first for me, too. It's kind of funny because we were walking and uh, Kathy and my son aren't just super outdoorsy. They'll go, but they're not just, you know, it's not like us. And uh, that nature trail around the Hyatt's got like, they got like little placards, like a zoo. You know, it's like mm-hmm. raccoon is, uh, you know, brown and white. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> We were looking at one about rattlesnakes, and Kathy's going, oh, y'all, y'all watch your step, watch your feet. And I'm like, oh, there's a snake right there. And it's a coral snake. <laughs> it's like literally right where we were standing. They're done. It is, yeah, it is cool. It's super pretty. Like vibrant colors. Yeah. My wife uh, would have been gone. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the exact wrong thing to do when you see a snake. Or so. Now, did, did they take it as serious as they would have taken – a rattlesnake though i don't think so i, I didn't caution yeah i didn't take it as serious either because i Pretty. i didn't know well first of all it wasn't rattlesnakes will like bow up to you you yeah. know uh this thing did not seem to know we were there first of all and i did not i couldn't remember at the time if they were venomous or not i was doing the red on black you know red and yellow but it, they're definitely venomous big time too yeah and so i had the dog with me but it's cool it's a unique experience i also caught a sand dollar in my hand in the water alive never seen not even trying were you no, I was just standing there. I'm like, man, I, I was literally, though, had been thinking, like, I hadn't found any sand dollars because usually you'll find, like, one on the beach, you know. Mm. And uh, just like that, it went in my hand. I looked at it. You know, you kind of freak you out when you're in the ocean and shit <laughs> bumps up on you. And I looked, and I was like, oh, it's a sand dollar, and it kind of washed out, and I caught it again. 
They're weird little things. Yes. Are they alive? Yeah. I don't know what they are. It's like a like a starfish almost. Yeah. It's got like 10 million legs on it. And then its mouth is on top. And it just sort of but it's weird. I kept like putting water on it, and you could tell it was like, I don't know, taking the water in. Most of the time, know. I don't know how it works. Most of the time, you just find their skeletons. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen a live one. There's a half of one that's been bleached. Nothing crazy. But no, it's cool. I let it go back into the wild. I'm sure it died later that day, anyways, but. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of them right now. And you were right about the legs. Yeah. Huh. The one I caught was about the size of a quarter, maybe. Maybe a little bit, half dollar. Uh, sand quarter. Yeah. But super neat. So, and running on the beach sucks. I bet. <laughs> I thought I was really going to enjoy it, but I did not. <laughs> Hard. Uh, it was just everything you could imagine. Mosquitoes, humidity, <laughs> soft sand, hard sand, chafing. Crushed shells. Yeah. <laughs> Jabbing at your feet. It was hot. You'd be out there at 5 a.m. and it'd be 90 degrees, <laughs> 98% humidity. And really, uh, believe it or not, there's not a whole lot to look at either. So, Just the Gulf of Mexico. You can just look at the Gulf or you can look at the sand. And then when you turn around and run back, you can just look at your footprints from when you ran out. <laughs> and you can see where you're going the whole time. You're like, shit, that's still four miles away. <laughs> it's not getting any closer. Yeah, on my hike, I would when I could see a while a good weights in the distance, I'm like, fuck, that thing is high up there. <laughs> it made me remember when I used to like running in Amarillo. It's like, all right, we're going to run to the grain elevator and we're going to turn around and run back. <laughs> and you can see the grain elevator the entire yeah. run <laughs> from your starting point. And there's well, nothing nothing to break it up along the way either. It's like when we went to Pecos Baldy, you can see it and you're like, damn. Yeah. That's a long ways from here. <laughs> and it never gets any closer. No. <laughs> and then you're just there yeah. like oh we made it me and tyler vance are going back up there in a few weeks thank you john coordinating Problem. i don't know if we're going to pecos baldy itself but general area did you want to read uh mention reading the west uh i've got it i uh i don't i had it in my notes didn't know what to, exactly we wanted to mention other than we uh, went back through the list of reading the West uh, award winners, which of course this year, uh, James Wade with all things left wild won uh, their debut fiction award. And uh, the sun was a winner of the reading the West award. Doesn't say it anywhere on the book, but if you go look through there, you'll find it. And uh, The Painter by Peter Heller, which I'll have on the next episode, has also won it, as has All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy. And so if you're looking for something to find or read, that may be a good place to go find something. Anything else? Just uh, my final thoughts will be, or whatever we call it. Uh, closing thoughts. Closing thoughts will be uh, make sure you guys go uh, review and rate our podcast on the on Apple and Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends. Figure out who gave us that one star review. It's one of y'all's ex girlfriends. I don't know, but if they're if they if they listened to a whole episode of the show, they would know they should have left a comment for us to read. <laughs> and probably why they didn't, because they knew we would. <laughs> I want to know why. I don't know. I'm not going to not going to dwell you know on it. We've talked about it before. It doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, if if you that left the one star review, raise your hand, you coward. Yeah. 
We'd love to have you on talk yeah. about it. Jared. Just keep getting your miles in, y'all. I'm trying my y'all, damnedest. Y'all keep it up, man. I wish John had put his stuff on Strava. Yeah, I'll see him on Strava. John, if you would log those things as trail runs, you'd be getting more miles a week than me, I bet. Probably. But, <laughs> but don't want it out. Don't want my competition to know what's coming. What competition? Oh, Your oh, only competition is yourself. Are you Chad Jim Walmsley right now? <laughs> I'm coming for you, Chad. <laughs> oh. He ain't going to follow you on Strava. He might. He's crazy. You really think you're getting more? He might be. I don't know. Chad Wright? No, I'm, I'm, yeah. Did you see that hill they were running up the other day? Yeah. You probably need to step it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know You know what pisses me off is if I had done the same number of miles that I did on Saturday on that hike on the Mid-State Mile, Tennessee Mile course, I wouldn't even uh, – I would have had almost double the elevation gain. If so, you'd been doing it on the Mid-State Mile course? Yeah. So I've got I got some, you got work, some to work to do. Yeah, <laughs> they got a treadmill at your gym at the club. Not a treadmill, a uh, stair mill. How would I know? I, know. I, figured, I figured you'd at least looked in there. <laughs> I did at one point. <laughs> All right. Well, keep reading your books and keep going outside, everybody, uh, and keep getting your miles in. I've been doing pretty good. I miss one here and there, but I make sure it's usually a shorty. And and I haven't missed any just out of being lazy. There's usually some kind of circumstance around it. So, aka an excuse. That's a yeah. change. Well, it there is Good it change. is an excuse, but it's not just gross negligence. No. <laughs> 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 it's not just me saying fuck it. You know, <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> did y'all watch the the uh the uh, the championship uh run for the 10,000 meter 10k uh-uh. i think they won it what was it 26 jesus Christ. 26 and some change listen now they, they lapped the last place guy oh really yeah they lapped him all right yeah but i feel bad for that guy he still ran like a 27-something minute. I'm over here making fun of him because he looks like he's in pain, and then he finished. I'm like, damn, that's a fast 10K. Yeah. <laughs> like, that sucking. Still 27 <laughs> like, minutes. On track. Like, I'll never even think about doing that. It's like he'd win most of his races. <laughs> All of them? Yeah, it's on a track, yeah. John. Hey, he'd go kill any – local 10k (laughs) by five minutes yeah he'd be winning the 5ks almost (laughs) that's faster than my fastest 5k on record (laughs) it's so fast man so fast but but anyway just wondering if y'all saw that no, I didn't. I watched. Uh, I only watched the first heat of the 800s because there's a guy from Midland running it. Oh, shit. Bryce Hopple. He got knocked out in the second heat. Damn. Or how? I don't know how it works, but that's a general enough description, I think. There was a girl swimming too, but I couldn't find. I couldn't run any of her stuff down from Midland. Which I think that's pretty good to have two Olympians from small West Texas town. Was uh, Abraham playing? Yeah. I know he's not from Midland, but he went to college there. Yeah. Abraham answer golfer. Yeah, he did pretty good. So I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this. I know we need to need to wrap it. Do you think the uh, golf portion of the Olympics should be professional athletes or should it be amateurs? I understand, you know, it probably drives ratings from to be pros, but at the same time, it's it's the Olympics, you know. So, I think they've done away with the the amateurism though in the Olympics, and everybody else is a pro. Yeah, yeah, pro basketball players, pro soccer players, whatever that means. I think, um, 
my, probably the only amateurs are might be boxing. Really? Yeah. Well, that's just how much attention I'm paying. You get paid out uh, apparently a lot of money for winning gold by your home country, really? depending on what where you're from. Yeah, I heard it was like a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars or something. For I didn't know that. I thought the U.S. paid out a lot, which was I think thirty-six thousand for gold. But there's some other countries that are paying out probably like yeah, two hundred fifty thousand U.S. Anyway, insane. And in some countries, you don't get beheaded if you get gold, so that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's good. You get to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you see the stuff on the South Korean golfers? If they if they got the gold, they didn't have to do their two years of mandatory <laughs> military service. No way. Yeah. So but they didn't get the gold because USA took it. So. <laughs> oh, did you see? I can't believe this shit. So, Roy Sabatini, Barry's favorite golfer of all time, um, <laughs> changed uh, changed his citizenship to Serbia so he could qualify for the Olympics. And I thought that was a little ridiculous, but he showed up. He. He, he came to play and got the silver medal. So yeah. good for him. Good for him on that. Yeah, because he's from like South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to South Africa, or like Morocco or something. Something. Yeah. Weird. That happens in track sometimes. Change it up just to qualify. Yeah. yeah. I think like uh, leave Kenya. And, so that was something else. Like Paul Casey golfers is playing for england he's lived in scottsdale arizona for 35 years wow yeah but he's not going to qualify as a american, american. I think. yeah i don't know how it works i we don't have to get into the details of this but it was the top 15 automatically get in unless there's more than four from the country so so if if there's five americans in the top 15 for only four of them get to come, and then it's that something for golf or anything. Golf. Okay. There were four uh, on each team. N- no. So of the top fifteen, they automatically qualify, unless you're the fifth one from that one country. I got so it. Patrick Reed was in the top fifteen of the world golf ratings, but he was fifth uh, in so the Americans. Until Bryson got COVID, and then he got to fill him because he was in the top fifteen. He COVID it out. Mm-hmm. John Rom did too. Again, I, I can't yeah, believe what's that. wrong with that, that guy, dude. Funny. I feel for the man. He probably would have won the damn thing too. Dude, just sit at freaking home, man. Like I don't. I think what's he's he just... doing? Going licking COVID lollipops. <laughs> I think he's just got a, a truckload of antibodies, and they're <laughs> reading the test wrong or something. I was, you know, I follow uh, Emma Coburn. She's a track. She runs some really weird event. Like uh, steeplechase. Yeah. She was saying, like, I don't know how many times they were testing her, testing them for COVID. It's like three or four times a day, pretty much. Good God. Jesus. It's like basically, you leave if you leave one area and go into another area, you had to. And I don't know what happens if you had it. Probably have to do. Harry Carey, our, our car, whatever it's called. <laughs> What's it called? It's called Harry I, Carey. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I know what you're talking about. It's... Anyways, Jared, good job hydrating. Important. Do you have some electrolytes in there? No, straight water. That's Those are important. We've been uh, taking LMNT. I actually heard salt. it was called Element from the founder, but oh. uh, from just your awareness, I just learned that too. I've been calling it LMNT. Makes but, makes sense. Yeah, but go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I like it. Seems, I'm a big fan. Yeah, <laughs> seems to be effective and doesn't taste bad, and doesn't uh, taste good either. I don't like stuff that tastes good in that world. Something ain't right with it. If it tastes yeah. Good. It's very salty, but I mean, God, I hate to sell something that's not paying for food. So, Jared, I go, I, you don't understand how much I sweat. 
I mean, you've seen me do it. Oh, I know. Yeah. You're sweating right now, Dylan. No, I'm not. (laughs) Um, I sweated so much, my nipples were bleeding this morning. Yeah. But literally, I couldn't. I couldn't play golf without being ruined for the rest of the day, riding in a car. And so I definitely wasn't working out in the middle of the summer. Taking this stuff just brings me back to life. Really? Yeah. And I always knew it was electrolytes that were off, but I like, I couldn't drink enough noon or Gatorade to fix it. And I like Saturday, I, I, I don't know if this is too much, but I had one before I started my hike one during and then I had a headache, and as soon as it was over, I, I had another stick of it. And then an hour into my drive home, felt great. Just, like, tired, but, yeah. like, I was going to be okay to do some Reap stuff the rest of the day. Yeah. So. What is it, element? L-M-N-T, or element. That's literally just salt. I mean, yeah, salt just, and some flavor. You can get the plain one too. That's just salt. Just get your salt shaker and grind it right out in the water. Shake it it's like a, a salt shaker. Shake it like a salt shaker. It's got one gram of <laughs> sodium, so it's probably I don't know two grams of. It's falling off the wheel. Salt it's falling off the tracks now. <laughs> <laughs> Doing free ads. <laughs> All right, well we can wrap it. Thank you for listening to the Bourbon Bookshelf Podcast. Our aim with this show is to encourage people to read widely, enjoy good beverages in moderation, get outside, and have good conversations. We hope we can meet this goal while serving as good company for you, the listener. If you enjoy the show, please let us know by subscribing to and reviewing the podcast and following us on Instagram. If you really enjoy the podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to help us continually improve the show. You can find the link to do this in the show notes for this episode or on our Instagram page at bourbon underscore bookshelf. Thank you and we'll see you next time.